If you'd open your Bibles up to Proverbs chapter 14, the admonition that we've been we we have been addressing for several weeks, of course, is the subject of love and respect. It is to be in the home between the husband and the wife, and the primary focus has been on the responsibility of the husband to love his wife. Ephesians 5:33 gives us that balance. I'll I'll read it to you real quick without turning to uh, Proverbs 14. But Ephesians 5.33, after the uh, Apostle Paul speaks of the admonition for the husbands to love their wives and the wives to uh, be respectful and so forth to the husband, he sums it up in this one verse by saying, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she respect her husband. And those two things, the more I have studied into this, the more I've researched into this, I can see where these two principles are very, very important. I wish that I would have seen it years ago, and it may have um, helped in regard to some of the families that used to be here in the assembly. But... We emphasize husbands love your wives. Now I'd like to emphasize, at least for a few weeks anyways, wives, what's involved in showing respect to your husband? Well, look over to Proverbs 14.1, if you're not there, there yet. Solomon here says how that the wise woman is one that's going to build her home. Proverbs 14.1 says every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucks it down with her hands. When he speaks here about a wise woman is going to build her house, to me it speaks of the inward natural desire that God has placed upon a woman to want to build a home, want to build a family. She wants to have children. She wants to be raising those children, training those children. She wants to have a place to live. She wants to fix it up. She wants to make it nice for guests when they come over. She wants to make it nice for her husband. There's a a major emphasis that's in her heart, a natural desire that she is more focused upon the home, the household, the children. It's just a natural desire that is there. There are different admonitions in the Bible whereby uh, she is encouraged to listen to the older women in the church on how to perform the things that is a desire in her heart. Titus 2, 4 and 5. We've read this many times, but it points along these same lines where the admonition was given to this church that Titus was that Paul was writing to Titus, and he in turn was to bring these things into the churches where he went. And he said unto them, Verse 3 said, The aged women, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, they're not to be false accusers or given to much wine, but they're to be teachers of good things. Then he mentions things that they should focus on with the younger women, that they may teach their young women to be, he says here, first of all, sober. Sober in the Greek speaks of being disciplined, it speaks of new, bringing new things, fresh things into a home and family. I thought it was kind of an interesting word 
because it had different meanings to it. But to me, it speaks of what you see in the characteristics of a wife, that she's always sometimes wanting to do something new. Uh, I have to laugh sometimes at Melissa because she would get things all painted up, and then next thing you know, she wants to paint again. I mean, every time she goes to have a baby, she wants to go painting for some reason. But, you know, it's a woman thing. That's what I'm saying, guys. It's a woman thing. I mean, they're always looking for things new, to make things look a little different, to be a little different. I mean, as men, we could care less. But from a woman's side, that's just something that they want to do something new and fresh to their home. They like new and different ideas to end the end of the family. He says that they're to love their husbands, to love their children. Uh, I'm not going to get into the focus of that, but obviously with with love here, he's speaking about 1 Corinthians 13 and other places. That'll come out a little bit later on. He tells them to be discreet. Discretion should be used in the words that you speak. To be using discretion in the choices and decisions that you make. Uh, it's thinking about things and praying about things before you do some things to make sure that it's a decision that is pleasing to your husband and it's a decision that is uh, going to be a blessing to the family. He goes on, he says that they're to be chaste. Chaste here speaks of modesty. How that um, they're to be recognized that, hey, I am a woman now, I'm a godly woman, I'm a mother, and I want to represent this family, and I'm out of my high school years, and whatever I may have submitted to temptation-wise then is behind me now. I'm a married woman, and I'm going to be dis- I'm going to be uh, chaste and modest, and glorify God and honor my husband. He says there are to be keepers at home. Literally, the idea here is that they're to be domestically inclined. And so it really kind of goes back to what I had focused on a little bit earlier. It's a natural desire in their heart to do that. He says that they are to be discreet, chaste, verse 5, keepers at home. They're to be good. That is, that they just have a, a goodness about them that whereby they want to do good for the home, the household, and the family. And then the last thing he says, they're to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, and obedient under their own husbands. And that obedient under their own husbands speaks of the respect that they're to be showing, which is exactly what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 5 and what I'm really going to emphasize this morning. To me, the book of Proverbs chapter 31, Solomon talks about the virtuous woman. It reminds me of what John talks about over in John chapters 3 and 4, just as he emphasizes that love begets love, I think we can emphasize that respect will will result in respect for you as a wife. If you want your husband and you want your children to respect you, then sow the respect to your husband to whereby they can recognize the example being set forth and respect you back. Nothing harder than for a a wife or a woman to have to put up with the lip and sass of a teenager or the lip and sass of one that maybe is just about ready to go into their teenage years. Sometimes it can be very difficult for a woman to have to put up 
with some of the attitudes of young children. Well, if you will so respect, ladies, to your husband, you're sanctifying that home atmosphere. You're setting that home atmosphere apart to whereby the children are going to be raised. And when they see you being respectful to your husband, they in turn are going to be respectful to their father. And they in turn are going to recognize that respect is something that is required in this home. And you're going to reap it back. You'll, what you sow is what you reap. If you sow disrespect toward your husband, if you're critical of your husband, if you're belittling of your husband, you're bringing about a, a home, an environment in which disrespect is going to be present and children are going to think, oh, well, if mommy can be disrespectful toward daddy, then I, I can be disrespectful toward my siblings and I can be disrespectful toward my parents. And as a result, just blend in with the peer pressure that they're going to pick up, especially in the school system where they're going to hear a lot of uh, criticism and disrespect toward their parents, and all that's just going to come together whereby there'll be disrespect that's bred in the home. So as a wife, recognize that it is very important for me that if I want to see respect in this home, I'm the one that God has called upon to bring it forth, to sow it, to make it forth as an example. He said to the husband, you're to bring forth an example of love, sacrificial love. But twice and many more places than that, he emphasizes to the wife, what you're to do is to be an example of respect to this family in front of your children. Ephesians 6.1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If they see the proper respect coming forth from a wife to a husband, then that is going to put them in an environment to whereby they will think about that, understand why you're requiring it, and it'll be an example set forth to whereby they in turn will know that this is the right thing to do. So how am I, and I didn't read Proverbs 31, but we can read it real quickly. This is the virtuous woman chapter where he's probably talking about Bathsheba, his mother, and he just honors her as a, a, a tremendous, virtuous, blessed woman. But one of the things that is made mention of here is in verse 25, he says, strength and honor are her clothing. I mean, she is honored by both the husband and honored by the children. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she rejoices in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Uh, verse 28 says, Her children rise up, they call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So one of, the, one of the benefits that she receives is she gets strength and honor, or strength and respect. And respect is something that if you sow it, you'll reap it. If you don't sow it, then you won't reap it. So... When it comes to respect, what are some of the things that we should that you that you should think about so that you can be an example of godly respect in the home and family? Well, the first thing is, and we touched on this last time I was here, respect is something that is unconditional. You don't respect a man because he's worthy to be respected. You don't respect him because he's just the perfect husband. If you're waiting for the perfect husband to show respect unto him, it's never going to happen. Because 
he is not perfect, neither are you perfect. It's all a matter of, of degrees. And so you've got to follow the principle in the Bible to whereby what God says is that we are to show respect toward all authority, no matter whether they are good or bad. But because of the position that God has placed them in, they're to be respected because of that position, not because they are necessarily worthy of it. I mean, I can think of presidents and government leaders that we've had in this country that did not live up to the standards that they should have lived up to. But that doesn't mean that they should not have been respected because of the office that they held. When it comes to your husband, you're to respect him because he is the head of the household. He is the one that has the final say. He is the one that is in authority. And you should do that because God commands you to do that. And you should do that because it sets forth a good example of the children to recognize that we are to respect authority. That's a very big, important doctrine of the word. I'm not going to go through it all. We went through it um, a couple weeks ago. Let me just quickly read Romans 13, and then I'm going to move on from that because I want to focus on some other things. But this was the main emphasis of that message. Romans 13.1 says, Let every soul be subject under the higher powers. For there is no power or there is no authority but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. He was talking about wicked Nero in the government at that point, which was a wicked, cruel leader. And Paul here was not abdicating that there should be rebellion and trying to overthrow of the government. He was saying respect the Roman leaders that are in power. Someone has to be a leader. Someone has to be in charge or you're going to have chaos. You're going to have anarchy. And so God has said the man is to be the head in the home and he's to be be respected because of that position. And basically what he goes on to say here in chapter 12 and 13 is that since I have put him in that position, he will have to answer for me for any misconduct that comes forth from his life. It's not to be taken into the hands of the wife and children to try to straighten out a husband. If you want to straighten out a husband that is not as good as he should be, you can accomplish a whole lot more on your knees than you can by arguing and being critical and being disrespectful. I mean, it's a place of admonishing, but it needs to be done in a respectful manner, especially for the sake of the children. But we are not to do that. We're to recognize that God puts people in power and they answer to him if they misuse that authority. If you look at Romans 12, this is what he emphasized before this. He said, verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. In other words, you have a husband that's not being lovable. You don't respond back with unlovingness toward him. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to love this guy. I'm not going to respect this guy because he doesn't show love and proper behavior toward me. No, what I'm saying is that when he's not showing that proper behavior, that gives you an opportunity to show the example of how that you love Christ and that you're not going to follow the example of your husband, but the example of Jesus and be respectful toward him. And God will honor that. He says, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, 
but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Those men that have been put in power and authority by God, or it may be a woman being put in authority, depends upon the position. But if, a, if a, the person that is put in authority by God has to answer to God and God only for that authority. It is not to be our responsibility to try to straighten that individual out with our tongue or in some way try to get back. Re respect toward authority is unconditional. And so when it comes to the home and the family, you should respect your husband because he is your husband. Not because he's a perfect man, but because of the position that he's in. And there are many other scriptures you can see on the board. If you look at, if, if we were to look at it in Daniel chapter 3 and chapter 4, when Nebuchadnezzar made a statue of himself and required people to bow down and worship that statue, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they respectfully declined. They suffered the punishment for it by being thrown into a fiery furnace, and God protected them in that fiery furnace, delivered them out, and in chapter 4, he took Nebuchadnezzar and turned him into a beast in the field. God will deal with those that misuse their authority, but it is not our calling to try to straighten them out. Our calling is to maintain as salt and light on this earth the principle of respect toward authority. And if you can get a hold of that, it'll help you greatly to whereby you don't find the disrespect coming forth from your children because they're not going to see it in the home from you. They're going to see the respect that should be there and you can train them in that and it's going to work out better for you than to have disrespect coming forth. So, the first thing to understand about respecting your husband is unconditional. Whether or not he's worthy of that respect, he's worthy of it because of the position that God has placed him in. It's something that's done in faith. That if the authority misuses their authority, then God will take care of it. But it's not our place to be rebellious, disrespectful, or critical. Because this is only going to give a bad example for the children. Words like, to your children, for example, your stupid father. Or you, they hear you backstabbing him when he's not around. And it can go vice versa, don't get me wrong. Is not going to show the proper respect in the home. So what should I do in proper respect toward my husband? Well, stop and think. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7 says. What you think is what you will be. And so put your thoughts upon the positive rather than upon the negative of your husband. It's the principle of Philippians 4.8. Brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Make a list if you need to, just so that you take the time to sit down and you think about your husband and you write down the good qualities and characteristics of that individual. And you take the time and you write it down. And maybe you put it somewhere. 
And when you're tempted to get upset, you're tempted to get frustrated, you're tempted to get negative, pull that out, look at it, think about it, and remind yourself of the positive qualities in regard to your husband. No, there is no perfect husband. Every man has a certain percentage of goodness in him, like the wives, but there is no man that is the perfect 100% uh, flawless husband any more than the perfect 100% flawless wife. I mean, what did Solomon say in Proverbs 31? If you've read it, you know. I, we haven't studied it in detail. But he basically was talking about a virtuous woman, and he basically said, who can find one like this? Here, my mom, Bathsheba, who I believe it was, she was an awesome mother. She was one of a kind. She was unique. I mean, certainly there are some men that are better husbands than other men, but when it comes to perfection, they're not perfect. If you get to live with them long enough, you'd find that uh, maybe around you they were the sweetest, kindest, uh, most honorable person, but if you got to living with them for a while, you'd find out some of those things that were not coming forth in public. So stop and think about your husband. Make a list of things that he does right or qualities about him that you admire in him. Is he a hardworking individual? That's a plus. You don't want to be married to one that's lazy. That'd be a problem. Is he a handy person? That's a plus. I can remember women sometimes that would get a little frustrated because every time something broke down, they had to call somebody else to fix it. If you got a handy Andy, that's something to be thankful for. Is he responsible? Does he pay his bills on time? Is he uh, paying his bills? He's not wasting money, wasting time? Is there a desire on his part to achieve things, to keep the home maintained, to improve his life, to whereby uh, an opportunity comes along for a better job and he takes that opportunity because it'll be a better provision for the family? Is there a desire on his part to want to achieve and to want to do something uh, that's going to be more beneficial for the family? Is he one that protects the family and watches out for it? Does he protect? Does he provide? Is he loyal? Is he loving? Is he committed to those things? I'm just, you know, I'm sitting around trying to think, what are some of the things that ladies could look for as qualities in a man that they could be thankful for? You come up with your own list. I'm just making some suggestions here. But stop and think about your husband and don't sit and think about the, those areas in which he's not very sharp in. What about those areas where he is a blessing in? And that's what Paul's saying in Philippians 4. Whatsoever is a, a something positive and edifying and encouraging to think about, think on those things. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If all you do is focus on the negative, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get critical. You're going to get disrespectful. You're going to find it a lot more difficult to be respectful toward a man that doesn't deserve it. And yet a lot of times women are way overlooking the positive things that are in their life. 1 Corinthians 7.33 and 34 is a scripture that speaks about how that a married man is one that is concerned about the things of the home and the family. 
he's making a distinction there. He says, some men have a gift in which they serve God and they're not married. They have a gift of celibacy. But most men have to get married and when they do, they have uh, a desire that is implanted in them by God to want to provide and take care of that for their family. And so stop and think about those things and make, and make a list. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 14 speaks about how that a prudent wife understands and knows these things. Proverbs 19:14 says, Houses and riches are the inheritance of a father, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. And a prudent wife is one that's wise and one that's intelligent and one that's understanding. And I'm praying that we've got prudent wives here that as I give this admonition to stop and think about the things that are in your, in your husband's favor and to make a mental note or a written note of those that you're not just going to come back with, you don't know this guy, he's a total jerk and there's nothing good about him. Because that's just not that's just being negative, that's just being exaggerative, that is not being smart, that's not being wise. Listen to what I'm saying. There's a lot of positive things about your husband. And so you know those things, focus upon those things. And then once you know those things and what they are, tell him. Tell him you appreciate what he does. Show him some respect by expressing some gratitude for what he does. When is the last time you as a wife have just thanked your husband for being a hard worker and going to work every day and providing for your family to whereby you can have the financial things that you need to keep things going? When's the last time that you ever did anything like that? When's the last time you thanked your husband for just being a blessing by uh, maybe fixing the washing machine that you told him was clanking around or fixing the brakes on your car because you heard him squealing and you mentioned it and then you got in your car and took off and you noticed, hey, those things aren't squealing right now. I got some brakes to repair. I know, don't look at me. <laughs> I'm just thinking of some things. But as a wife, don't you appreciate it if your husband says to you, Hey, that was a great dinner, hon. I really appreciate it. Or just you do maybe some little things just to help him out and maybe he just doesn't seem to notice. He doesn't seem to care. He never says anything about it. You would appreciate an occasional little pat on the back, wouldn't you? For just being a good wife. Don't you think men uh, like to have an occasional pat on the back to be encouraged at the things that they have to do and put up with and so forth at their jobs are something that uh, are a blessing and to be appreciated about? I'm, I'm serious. I see some smiling, but I, I'm very serious. Tell him. Tell him vocally. Get him a card. Write him a note. I mean, you're going to make that man's day if he opens up his lunchbox and finds a little note in there and says... Just thinking about you, and I thought I'd let you know how much I appreciate you going to work every day to support this family. That's respect. That's honor. That's something that is going to uh, make big improvements in your marriage. If you uh, 
Tell him vocally, write him a card, leave him a note. He may not be perfect. And you may think back and say, you don't know the louse that I've married. But is there a desire to lead, to provide? Is there a desire on his part? He may not be perfect at it. But is he basically a good man? Yes. Well, then let him know. I mean, that's what we're saying. Love begets love. Respect begets respect. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. I'm focusing, and I think you've noticed that, upon, especially in the area of things like work. And the reason why is because work is something that is very, very important to a man. Just like to a woman, her household, her children, her home, those things are very, very important to her. A lot of men don't understand that. And yet that is very important to her. They think sometimes, man, all she ever does is complain because all I did was leave a stupid pop bottle on the table or all I did was just accidentally dump something on the carpet or I left my dirty socks over here. Why make a big deal over stuff like that? Because that's her, that's her area. That's her thing. Many wives, I mean, that, that's their... That's for them. They really want to have a, a home, an environment that is nice and that is kept nice. They, that's their thing many times. Whereas men, they don't focus upon that so much. They're focusing upon, a lot of times, their job. First Timothy 5 and verse 8, it's something built into them. That's what Paul's kind of saying here. When he's talking about widows that are in the church, they shouldn't be have to be taken care of by the church uh, if there's other family involved. Family should be taking care of family. And he goes on and he says, if any provides not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he's denied the faith, he's worse than an infidel. Infidels, unbelievers, have a natural desire that is built into them to whereby they want to provide for their family. It's just a natural, God-given, masculine instinct that God has placed in the men. Let me give you an example, which I, which is is true. If you look over to the book of Genesis, chapter 30, after Jacob has spent many years and he's married to Rachel, married to Leah, and he's got several kids, he approaches Laban. You know, he had to work to get his wives, and he says, "Okay, I've got my wives, I've got my children." I want off on my own, man. I, I want my own property. I want my own home. I want to have my own homestead. So he wants them to release uh, him from that responsibility that was laid upon him. But when you read this and then think about what I'm going to say, you'll kind of laugh because it's true. In Genesis 30 and verse 25, when this is coming up, it says, came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go into my own place, my own country. Give me my wives, my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest the service which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for thy sake. And he said, Appoint me thy wages, and I'll give it. And he said, You know how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me, and 
it was little which thou had before I came, and it's now increased unto a multitude, and the Lord has blessed thee since my coming, and now when shall I provide for my own household? Now what are they talking about? Laban's talking to Jacob, and they're talking. What are they talking about? Work! Men talk about work. They talk work, sleep work, complain work. I mean, if I am, if I go somewhere and I come up and I meet some other guy, maybe it's a picnic or something, and I sit down beside him, if I'm going to talk, bring up something and talk about a conversation and try to get things going, I don't sit down and say to him, where do you get your groceries at? Now, if a woman was going to talk to another woman, she might do that. You know, she sees over there a, a bottle of pop or she sees, a, a, you know, a carton of certain, some certain kind of product or whatever, and she's kind of curious. I wonder where she got that at. So she said, where do you get your groceries at? Or if they got little kids, you know, what kind of diapers do you use? Uh, they'll talk about how many children do you have? What's their names? How old are they? What school do they go to? Do men do that? No. Men don't walk up to other men and say, how many kids you got? When were, they, when were their birthdays? I can't even tell you exactly the birthdays of all my seven. They, get, they razz me about it. I get pretty close. But Bev could sit there and just rattle them off. Click, 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 click. It's a woman thing. I mean, I, can you imagine me going up to John and saying about Jake, hey, nice pamper, man. Where do you get them at? I mean, I don't, you know, that doesn't happen. But when men talk to men, unless it's sports, they generally are going to say, what do you do for a living? Where do you work at? How long have you been there? Oh, do you know so-and-so? I know so-and-so that's been there. Or you let us talk a little bit, and you know, you talk about your job. I mean, I was out at a restaurant with another guy just, just here a few days ago. We were just sitting and talking, and some guy walks up and, says, I don't mean to interrupt here, but... And then he said to the guy that I was with, which happened to be Chip, he said, uh, is that your logging truck out there? Chip said, yeah. And he goes, well, I need to talk to you about having somebody come in and give me a, a price on buying some of the trees and stuff. And then they just started yakking, yakking, yakking about work. Jacob and Laban are talking about what? Work. Men talk about work a lot. Why? Because that's something that is built into them. That is something that God intuitively put in them. Look, guy, when you get married and you have a family, this is your responsibility to provide and protect for that family, and it's a lifelong thing that they do. That's what they focus on, is their family. It's a, it's a man thing. Little boys grow up, and what do they do? They start out real young, and they're playing with little toy guns. And then they go to wagons, and then they go to tricycles, then they go to bicycles, and then they go to jeeps. I mean, you you would you would laugh. It is so funny because I've got a jeep. You would you would laugh at the number of times that I'll go somewhere, and I might be just driving down a street, and you'll see these little boys, five, six, seven years old, and they get a big grin on their face. Ooh, look at that jeep. I mean, it, it is hilarious. I I I crack up when I see it. It happens all the time. Because when I was a little kid, I used to sit around and draw, picture, draw pictures of Jeeps and dream about I was going to paint them yellow and I was going to put wood in the back. And I'd dream up ways of how I was going to fix up my Jeeps. 
never did that. I mean, I've had a couple. But it, it's, a, it's a man thing, you know what I'm saying? They think about guns and wagons and bicycles and jeeps, and then they get older and they start thinking about work. <laughs> it's just the way it is. They think about work all the time. So if they lose a job, it's a major emotional blow. It's hard for a man to get over the fact that he got fired or laid off. It's a big thing. So when a wife shows interest by saying, thanks, hon, for working hard and doing what you do to provide for the family, it is a, it's a motivation maker. It encourages him because he has to put up with a lot of crap and garbage a lot of times wives don't understand. Men don't understand what you ladies have to put up with in the raising of your children. Would you agree with me on that? That they really don't know all that goes on in the raising the kids? Well, ladies, you really don't know all that they have to put up with when it comes to their jobs either. And just like you would like a little appreciation and respect and honor for the, for the focusing upon the family, ladies, don't you think it's the other way around to whereby men would like an occasional uh, positive encouragement for what they have to put, put up with on the job. It, when a wife shows interest, it's a blessing. To hear nothing when they come home but complaining, self-interest, the children have been rough, and on and on, and not just sitting down and saying, well, how was your day-to-day at work, hon? Now, there might be some men that don't talk about work. I mean, I've had, I've had some men say to me, when I come home from work or when I leave, Excuse me. When I leave this place, I don't take it home with me. I don't take work at all home. It stays right here, and I leave it behind. And I go, really? Some have told me that that's, that's their case. Some that have told me that, though, I've gone over to their home, and when I've gone over to their home, their wife and kids start talking about what they've heard about me at work. So I know that it may be said, but it's not true. And then Bev can verify to that, you know, but you hear those statements. But even if they're not, even if they're holding it in, even if they've had a bad day, and you're sitting there just having conversation, the very fact that you're going to show interest in what he does and gratitude for what he does, even if you said, everything go all right today at work? And if he says, yeah, no problems, then you can drop it. I mean, there's a place of saying, you know, I haven't said this lately, but I really do appreciate it. The fact that you get up early and you go to work every day and you work hard to provide for this family. That's a blessing and I really appreciate it. It could be a little card. It could be a little note. Don't don't get legalistic to where i got to tell you what to do. I'm trying to plant some seeds of thought in your heart and mind. You know your husband. Is there some way that you can honor him and show respect to him for what he does in a positive way. If you can, that's what I'm saying. The Bible says, wives, respect and honor your husbands. Look for some ways to do that. So when a wife expresses thanks and respect for his work and effort, it's a big deal. Not that work isn't important to women, but most women have a choice. They have a choice. If a woman works, that's her choice. She doesn't always have to, unless circumstances dictate otherwise. For her, the choice is home or work. But for men, like 
Tim Allen, you remember the guy on Tool Time? He once made the statement, the only choice a man has is work or jail. <laughs> and I thought that was funny. Most women marry for support, to have children, to build home. Men, though, marry to provide for a wife and children. It's a natural instinct. We already read it for Timothy 5. With women being a mother of children, that's her instinct. Do you want to respect him? To, to respect your efforts? The things that you know that he doesn't really know, do much about or know much about? The errands that you run? The household things you put up with? Well, you'd, you'd like an occasional working woman's holiday. I'm just trying to make a point. Express to him how much you appreciate what he does. Since work is so important, then think about these things. Verbally or in writing, express the value of his work effort. Hallmark card, a thank you. Be creative, be artistic, be different. How about a just thank you for going to work cake or something? You know what I'm saying? Just something to think about. Express your faith in him related to the career that he's in. If he is frustrated, if he wishes he would do something else, encourage him in a different field if that's what he wants. I'm not saying that men should quit their job and say, you go to work while I go to college and all that. Uh, it's your responsibility to take care of your family, men. But I saw in regard to one of my boys that was a bricklayer that he was getting frustrated with his job and he wanted to do something different. And the times that I was around his wife, I noticed that she was supporting him in the efforts to get a CDL and to move on in a different direction. And he changed careers, and he's doing something different now. He's actually driving dynamite trucks at quarries, which we pray God will keep him protected. But he says he enjoys it, so that's up to him. But she was supportive in his decision to make that move. Now he kept supporting his family till he made that move. Don't go the other route, but there's a place as a wife of being supported if, if, if that's what he wants to do. Listen, listen to his work stories. You want him to listen to your issues of the day. So listen to him. Don't, don't, you know, as he's trying to tell you about something that he had to put up with that was frustrating during the day, don't start talking to the kids or getting on the phone or just ignoring him and being rude. Give him some time. That's a very important thing to him. Be respectful. Don't dishonor or be critical of his work. Encourage him to pursue his dreams. Don't belittle him. I remember I told you this last week. We were in a little bit different direction. But I talked about how that a young couple had just got a brand new home, beautiful home, and this other couple in the church asked if they could come see it. And they said, yeah. And they came over and they toured through the home. And, and as they went through the home, the wife turned to the husband that was touring the home and said to him, you need to get a second job so I can have a place like this. But she said it in such a way that it was demeaning and belittling and unthankful for what she had. And like, why don't you be like this guy and work harder and give me the things that he is giving her. What a great husband. I wish you were like him. That's the way it was coming across. That's just belittling and stabbing in the back. Being dishonorable. 
praises commitment to disciplined habits. The things that he does good, the things that he focuses on, thank him for that. And those things that where he falls short and needs help, pray for him. Avoid the put-downs, the sarcastic jabs, the exaggerations that sometimes you may make about those things because you're getting frustrated. That's understanding. But there is no perfect man. There is no perfect woman. When it comes to respecting him unconditionally, stop and think about this. Honor him and respect him for his desires, not his performance. Look at his desires. How does God view us? Think about that. How does God view us? Does he have a heavenly mistake book up there? Does he have a negative memory book up there? The Bible talks about how that God keeps records and God has a book. With the wicked, we're told that he will open that up one day. But being in Christ, there's no record book on our part. There's no mistake log that God's keeping. Psalm 51, or Psalm 103 and verse 12, rather, says that when God forgives us of our sins, they're gone as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't bring them back up again. I don't find my Heavenly Father, I don't find the Holy Spirit from within reminding me of the screw-ups that I may have done in 1998 or 2000 or 2002 or reminding me of some stupid decision I made in 2004. He does not rub my nose in the past. Does he rub no your nose in the past? Ladies? Huh? Okay. Now, the God kind of respect that we're talking about here is the same way. Don't rub your man's nose in the failures that he did in the past. Praise him for what he does good, but look at his desires and not his performance. We're viewed as complete and perfect in Christ. You're viewed as complete and perfect in Christ. And that's the way you have to recognize your husband. That, that in Christ, he's complete. He's perfected. Turn him over to the Lord and ask God to do a work in him to whereby he can conform him to the image of Christ. That's the goal and the purpose and the stress of this church. To be conformed under the image of Christ. Come into the fullness of Christ. And so God has a plan. I remember... I think it was Bud Henshin many, many years ago in a sermon he taught in one of the other buildings that he, he emphasized it's like the building of a home. He said the home needs a roof, the home needs gutters, the home, the home needs new windows, the home needs a floor, it needs carpeting, it needs new bathrooms. Well, all of us are an incomplete home. And God may be working on your windows, but he's working on my bathroom. He may be working on your roof, but he's working on my basement. So quit looking around and saying, man, I wish I had that at home because it's getting the basement worked on. God's working on each one of us in different ways. Recognize, though, when, when he gets done with us, we're going to be completely restored and perfected the way God wants it to be. But it's a lifelong process. That's why you need to be looking around and saying, well, praise God, we finally got some new windows in this place. Even though the toilet's a mess. 
Praise God, we finally got a new roof on this place, even though the gutters don't work right. You got to look for the positive and not the negative. From one side, our standing in Christ is that we are complete in Him. Our state is what is actually occurring and taking place in our life. But we have a goal. We're striving for that to be complete and perfect in Him. It's the same way with your husband. God is gradually, over a period of time, teaching him and giving him wisdom and understanding on how to be a good father and how to be a good husband. And those areas where he falls short, pray for him that God will deal with him in those areas to recognize the importance of picking up the slack and completing his course in that area. And do it in such a way that you're, when if you talk to him about it, that you're going to maintain your respect. Ask yourself this question. Is he a man of basic goodwill? Is he purposely trying to please you or hurt you? That's important. I was raised in a home and a family where, uh, as a kid, I was always focusing upon the negative of my father. And my mom, bless her heart, had to put up with some of some of his uh, annex. And I can remember her saying it over and over and over again. Isn't it interesting? I remember what my mother says. Moms. She would say, and I know you know that you that you that know her would know this, she would say, He's a good man, Michael. He's a good man. She focused on the good things, and she recognized that even though there were areas that he was uh, terrible in. He was basically a man of goodwill. You've got to recognize that as well. Is he a man? Is he a man of basic goodwill? Is he purposely trying to please you or hurt you? If he's intentionally, purposely trying to hurt you and be mean-spirited, then you've got a problem on your hands, and you're going to have to really use your faith. And you do that by bringing forth the love and respect commands you to do, but um, God will have to show you how to, how to handle that situation. But most men are not that way. There's a difference between a willful sin and a sin of ignorance and a sin of weakness and a sin of selfishness. God deals with sin differently. And in your home family, you need to realize that, that yes, my husband is not perfect because he's weak, he's careless, he's ignorant. There's a whole lot of difference between that being mean-spirited and spiteful and just trying to purposely hurt you. If he really is purposely trying to hurt you, uh, you better pray for the man because God will deal with him very, very harshly. But in most cases, what you're dealing with is just a man that is immature, that is selfish, that is weak, and just as God forgives you for those sins, you likewise need to do the same with him. Proverbs 17, 11 says, An evil man seeketh only rebellion. I'm going to believe that there, there are no men in this church that are just evil, mean-spirited. 
that what we've got is just men that are learning to be good fathers, learning to be good husbands, and that learning process takes a long time. I wish I knew 30 years ago what I know now. I wish I knew. But we all learn as we go. And God chose to teach me some things that were more important than maybe at some other areas. But I've learned as I've gone, just like what Solomon did and why he emphasized in the book of Proverbs to his, to his sons, hear me now, my son, and listen to what I have to say. But he goes on, Proverbs 17 and verse 11, he says, an evil man, one that just is bent on bringing hurt and heartache to my wife, a man that's like that, he goes on to say, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. That God will protect you as a woman. But from your side, you've got to remind yourself even though he may be a, a cruel, mean, nasty guy. Nero was a cruel, mean, nasty guy in the days of Peter and Paul. And they were told to honor the king, to respect those in authority, and I'm going to trust you in this, Lord, and respect my authority in the home and just put him into your hands. But in most cases, what you're going to find is that is a man of goodwill. He's not purposely trying to cause heartache in the family. He just has to learn as he go. And what God needs from you is respect and patience and encouragement and some of those things that we talked about up to this point. Focus upon that and not focus upon those areas in which he's not perfect. Let me close with this. It's one thing to be unloving and selfish and another thing, to be consciously, willfully, habitually unloving, nasty, mean, and evil. If your marriage seems to be unfulfilling, then think back. Where did it make a left turn? When the children came in, when you got a job, certain job maybe you got, when money issues came up, when certain friends came around, did he become unloving? Did she turn off the respect? Look back. Think about it. Where did, the, where did these problems come in at? Well, whatever that is, turn right, get with it, start changing, and start expressing respect and appreciation and gratitude. Don't ever agree with the lippy little ones. Learn to let him have the final say and let them recognize you as a mother and a wife respecting your husband and let the little ones know this is what is expected toward all authority when it comes to the parents the mother and the father are on equal basis and therefore children should respect both the mother and the father you don't want them playing this well daddy said it was okay game or mommy said it was okay game you don't want to do that. We'll come into that a little bit later on. But the focus is upon, ladies, respect your wife, express some honor, show some appreciation, think about the positive, good things that are happening in your home, and focus on that and pray for those other areas that God will continue to direct that man down the course and direction that he needs to go. Can you say amen? Certainly some food for thought. Father.
We're not trying to stand up here this morning and set down a set of rules that people have to follow. Because each family is different. Each man and, and, and his personality is different. Each wife and her personality is different. And I can't address all the different differences in the personalities and issues and things that are going on in our homes. But just as there's a very strong emphasis of respect toward our leaders in the, in, in the world, we as Christians need to recognize that there's a very strong emphasis in your word for wives to be respectful toward their husbands. And I pray that these seeds that I planted this morning would help the wives recognize their responsibility to be respectful toward their husbands and that you will, in turn, bless them back with a greater, loving, more responsible husband that they really are craving to have. Bless the word to our hearts, Father, and we ask in Jesus' name. And we thank you for this gorgeous weather. And we thank you for keeping harm's way from those people in the southern portion of this country. We're just expecting this hurricane being talked about to become nothing but a fluke. We're just thanking you for it in advance. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.